Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Let's lift that voice. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love, your Set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. Your faithfulness, my solid rock. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your
how are you, church? You good? Hey, it's good to be with you guys today uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, number one is because um, the dogs won last, uh, last night, and uh, that was good. Unexpected uh, for many people, uh, not so much for those of us that recognize we're in a new era where we don't... Uh, fall in those trap games. Anyway, so that's good. Uh, number two, it's going to be with you because I uh, get to sport a Hero Maker t-shirt. So it's not often that the pastor gets to wear a t-shirt on Sundays, uh, but for the next couple of weeks, we'll be wearing one as well as we want to invite all of you who have signed up for a connect group. You'll be receiving those uh, shirts and uh, we want to invite you to wear those throughout the rest of the series. And then the third reason that it's great to be with you guys today is because we're kicking off the new series called Hero Maker. And I'm super pumped about this um, series, our leadership team, and we have been talking about this series for a number of months now, and we're excited about it because we pray that it would be catalytic for you and catalytic for our church so that we can press into God's preferred future for our lives. Now, just to be clear, for those of you that can't remember back when you were introduced to the word catalyst, uh, maybe in your science classes growing up, a catalyst is something that kind of gets things moving and is a starter or, or kind of presses you into um, something, uh, some kind of action activity. Uh, typically a catalyst is referred to a chemical or some kind of an agent when it comes to uh, some kind of a chemical reaction. Um, but in this case, what we're praying is that this series is a catalyst for you spiritually to press into God's preferred future for your life as well as our church. And uh, this series kind of built around this idea that we all love being heroes. Um, and we talk about heroes a lot around the vine. In fact, if you were here last week for our first ever family worship service, we talked and highlighted about uh, a family family of heroes called the Incredibles. Um, but what we didn't talk about and what we will be talking about this week is the hero makers behind the heroes. Everybody wants to be a hero. The question is, will you be a hero maker? And that's what this series is all about. Now, when it comes to heroes and hero makers um, in our um, kind of in our culture, uh, there is a common theme for heroes um, in our, our kind of fictional pieces of literature and also in movies. Uh, there is an American mythologist uh, called Joseph Cam named Joseph Campbell who says that there is a, a thing called the hero's journey. It's a pattern that you'll find uh, that makes um, almost every movie and every book that we read that has a central figure that uh, is a hero um, uh, kind of common and similar in all those pieces. And, and the first thing that's a pattern that's similar in the hero's journey is that there is an unlikely hero. Um, the second thing is that they have an impossible mission and the impossible mission could be because the hero is ill-equipped uh, because they're unlikely. Uh, it can only be accomplished through that person and not any other person and that there's a great deal of danger and obstacles that will be in that hero's path. And then the final uh, consistency throughout all of uh, our pieces of work about heroes is that a mentor comes along and equips the unlikely hero with wisdom, with tools, and with courage to leave the ordinary for the extraordinary. And uh, that's the, the pattern that you'll see. And so now I've ruined every movie for you uh, because you'll be looking out for those patterns and you'll be looking for it. And it'll be quite predictable in all of the movies and the books that you'll read from here on out about uh, heroes. And I was just thinking about uh, my childhood growing up and uh, some of those um, 
um, some of those movies and some of those books that made uh, kind of a powerful impact in my life. Um, Luke Skywalker is kind of the first to come to mind. Uh, unlikely hero, um, uh, but he brings balance to the force uh, with the help of mentors like Obi-Wan and Yoda in here, a little green creature um, that's fun to talk like. And by the way, if you can ever corner Jared Strong, our worship leader, he's got a great Yoda voice. Um, and so just giving you a little bit of inside information on that. I was thinking about Rocky. Um, Rocky, uh, growing up, loved the Rocky movies. Um, he was uh, trained to, to beat Apollo, uh, Clubber Lang, you know, Drago, and then a number of other people, you know, I think we're on Rocky 10 now. And so, uh, you know, he was trained to do that, but his mentor was Mickey. Um, and, and it's funny how life kind of comes full circle. And so now we have um, about 30 years later, parachute pants are coming back and baggy pants are coming back in. Um, but also with our, our works of art in our culture, because Rocky now is actually a mentor for Apollo Creed's son, who goes by the name Creed. And so he is a, a mentor for him. And then uh, Luke Skywalker in those last two um, versions of Star Wars has been a mentor for Ray. And so you see how life has kind of come full circle. Now, there've been some new heroes and mentors that have come along that I've got to share with my kids as they're growing up and kind of original pieces of artwork, which is, which is something that's a novel idea um, that we would write original pieces of work. And so um, some of the, the heroes and hero makers that we've shared over these past couple of years with my kids is, uh, is this, uh, you know, this partnership right there where you got Harry Potter and Dumbledore. Hey, look, don't judge me. I mean, it, you know, don't send me hate email for referencing Harry Potter in church, you know? Um, and then also this one um, that some of my older kids are, are uh, Katniss and Hamish and their partnership where she's the hero and, and he is the hero maker in that where he equips her for that. And so you see, the, you see that this happens in, in fiction, but this also happens in fact, it happens in real life. And I'm not sure where Hollywood gets their inspiration, but what I do know is that in a very ancient piece of literature called the Bible, what you see is that there's the same kind of pattern that happens throughout the Bible with all of those that we would consider to be heroes of the faith. And it's not fiction, it's fact. And you read their stories and you see that there's this same pattern. There are a number of unlikely heroes that are found in the scripture. Um, unlikely because they don't seem quite qualified to kind of carry out this like big mission, uh, this preferred future that God has for them or for uh, God's people. And so I was just thinking about this list um, and it's a short list because it could just keep going on and on and on. And maybe you've seen this or, or a list similar like floating around on social media or, or referenced in some other context. But I was just thinking about Moses, one of the champions, one of the heroes of our faith and how he was actually a, a murderer who was called to this preferred future. Um, we have John Joshua, who, who steps in for Moses, but he does so at the age of 83 years old. Um, we have David, who was underaged, undersized, underdog, and also under-equipped as a shepherd boy. Um, we see Ruth, who was a Moabite woman, um, who ends up being a hero. Uh, we have this guy named Peter, and he was a fisherman. Nothing wrong with fishermen. Just that's not what you think about when you think about these great people of faith um, in our lives. And, and we could keep going on and on. Um, but each one of these heroes in the Bible 
there's also a mentor who came along and, and kind of helped press them into the preferred future that God has for their life. Moses had his father-in-law Jethro. That might be the only time in history that an in-law has actually helped out um, one of their <laughs> children-in-law. Um, but Moses had Jethro, his father-in-law. Uh, Joshua had Moses as a mentor. Uh, David had prophets named Samuel and Nathan who came along. Ruth had a mother-in-law named Naomi. I guess we have two you know, um, accounts of that in history. And then Peter had Jesus. Um, and so what you see is that these mentors come along in fact and fiction, and they help these ill-equipped, unlikely heroes go beyond what they see in their current situation and press into God's preferred future for their life. And it, and it goes beyond the act of what they're supposed to accomplish specifically to a bigger vision and a bigger purpose for their life. And so and in fiction, Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Yoda, they come along and they, they train Luke to use the force, um, but also to overthrow an empire through rebellion. Uh, Mickey comes along and he trains Rocky to box, to use his right hand instead of just his Southpaw left hand. He, he teaches him how to catch chicken with his bare hands, but he also inspires um, a, a city, Philadelphia. And then, you know, later in Rocky Four, an entire nation. Um, he inspires an entire nation. Jethro comes along and he trains Moses, not just in how to alleviate leadership stress when Moses comes along. He's like, I can't lead all these people. And so Jethro says, well, here's what you need to do. And it's not just to alleviate leadership stress. It's also to, to kind of set a, a groundwork and a framework for, for the government of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, you've got Moses who trained Joshua, uh, not just how to um, uh, help people wander around in the wilderness, but to how to face with fierce tenacity uh, um, uh, challenges and obstacles and giants that would prevent a person from stepping into abundance that God has provided and God has promised for a people. Samuel and Nathan, the prophets, they were mentors for David. They, they um, trained him not just for his kingship and, and uh, improving anointing over him, but they taught him about how to walk in integrity and how important integrity was when it comes to the heart of a leader that will far surpass any kind of leadership position that a person holds. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus is our ultimate hero and our ultimate hero maker. And he equips 12 men and some women and not just how to reach like their little context, but how to reach the entire world to now where we would say currently there are 2 billion followers of Jesus Christ. And so what we wanna do in this series is we wanna dive into some of the, the foundational aspects of what it means not just to be a hero because we all, we all wanna be a hero, but to be a hero maker and to try to move our perspective from wanting to be a hero to saying, hey, you know what? God's called me to something bigger and God's called me to something beyond as a student, as an adult, as a person in, in church or a person in workplace, a person in leisure is to be a person who seeks to make heroes of others. It's to say to God during this series, hey God, would you expand your vision for my life? Would you reveal that? Would you expand the dreams? Would you expand the plans? Would you expand the purposes so that it goes beyond my specific environment and impacts the entire world for your glory? 
That's what we seek to do in this series. And to do that, we're going to come back to Jesus and to examples that are found in the Bible throughout this series. Because Jesus is a, he's ultimate, our, our ultimate hero because he saves the world, right? Through his death and his resurrection, he has saved the world. But he is the greatest hero maker that has ever walked the face of the earth. And so we're going to take a look at him today. And here's where a hero maker starts. A hero maker starts with a multiplication mindset. A hero maker starts with a multiplication mindset. And what we find from Jesus is that he has this mindset and he communicates this mindset through his message because hero makers have a multiplication message. And so when you take a look at Jesus beginning his ministry, he, he expands the, the call on a person's life beyond them as individuals to impact the entire world. Um, and, and so if you go back to the first call of the first followers of his, we, we know that there were four specific fishermen that he picked up. In Mark chapter one, verse 17, um, Jesus calls his first disciples. Uh, we're kind of gonna come back to this a little bit later on in the, in the series in, in fuller detail. But in Mark chapter one, verse 17, um, we see that Jesus says this to his first followers that he calls, follow me, that's him calling them. And then he says, listen to this, and I will make you um, become fishers of men. So he calls them not just to follow him as a hero, uh, not just to become an individual hero, but then to go out at the end result of being a follower and to make fishers of men. It's a multiplication mindset and a multiplication message that he has. Then you kind of see him, um, you kind of see him like play that out a little bit more in Luke's account of that story. I'm just going to read it to you. Okay. So the words aren't going to be up the screen. I just want you to listen to this and how Jesus uh, with this multiplication mindset and message communicates it very tangibly to people. Listen to this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Have any of you ever ha had a, a line break from multiple fish? Not just a big fish, but like multiple fish. How about nets? Have you had any nets break from multiple, so many fish getting into a net that it was breaking? This happens right here because Jesus wants to communi communicate clearly a hero maker mindset of multiplication. Their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and to help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. So many fish that the boats began to sink. Have you ever had a boat sink because you had so many fish in it? Not so many people, so many fish in it. That's what's happening here because Jesus wanted to communicate a multiplication mindset and a multiplication message. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. 
And I just want to pause here to say, in order for us to get any further in this message and for us to get the, the essence of this message and what we're talking about, we need to kind of have the same moment like Jesus' followers had, where they're called to follow him. They go out and they get for the first time that this is bigger than them. And I'm afraid we're at a place in Christianity, culturally speaking, and maybe in our churches too, to where we go, you know what, we've got this thing. <laughs> we've got it figured out, Jesus. If you just kind of leave us alone, look, we'll tolerate you getting in the boat. We'll tolerate you preaching a message to some crowds. But, but man, this whole multiplication thing, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, hey, if you'll follow me in this, I'm gonna wow you. I'm gonna amaze you. I'm gonna show you something that's bigger than yourself. It's possibly going to break everything that you've hold dear and near to you. But if you'll, if you'll do this, if you'll follow me in this, it will bring about some awe and some wonder in your life. And I think we need to pause here to have that same kind of moment that Peter has where he is like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jesus. Like, like depart from me. Like depart from me because like I'm overwhelmed here. And you might not be at a place where like right now at the beginning of the message series, you're like ready to get on your knees. But my prayer is that by the end of the series, you'd be able to say, hey, God, look, I'm not worthy. I'm ill-equipped, but I realize that you want to do something bigger with my life. I realize that you want to do something bigger in my life for your glory. And so Jesus could say to us, hey, come on, it's okay. Come on, partner with me, walk with me, follow me. From now on, I'm going to do something bigger. I'm going to multiply it. And so I'm just asking that today, maybe you would just say to God, hey, God, would you just kind of break any kind of mindset I've had about what this faith journey is supposed to be like? Where maybe we make ourselves the hero of the story. Instead, we would say, hey, we recognize, Jesus, that you're the hero of the story and that really, ultimately, you're a hero maker. And if you want me to be a hero maker too, then I'd be willing to do that. Can we begin there? Because that's where Jesus begins with these followers. I mean, he completely changes their paradigm. And, and he has this message to all the people that he meets. I mean, this message was pretty inclusive of a bunch of people that otherwise had been excluded from this like big vision that God has of rescuing the world and bringing his kingdom from heaven to earth. And, and so he does things like he, he invites people on different ends of the political spectrum together to be some of his followers. So he's got politically left and he's got politically, uh, you know, right. I was about to say politically correct, right. But anyway, you know, like we got, we got people at all ends of the political spectrum. We've got people at all ends of the like faith spectrum we've got like super zealous religious people. And then we have some not so religious people that are gathered together. Jesus even multiplied this idea of the kingdom of God coming to earth with women. I mean, can you believe that? Could you believe that? I mean, 2000 years ago, this was actually unbelievable. So unbelievable that I think in the, in the authorship of the Bible, like we, we had to make a note here. It was like, and a few other women followed Jesus. Like we learn who those few other women are through other stories, but this was such a radical message of multiplication because it included people that otherwise were not included in this. And that is because God's desire is that he would have relationship with the entire world, not contained within a few that were super religious and followed a bunch of rules, but extended to all. God's desire is that all would come into fellowship with him. It's a multiplication mindset. It's a multiplication message 
but it doesn't just end with the message. It, it includes ministry. The person that is a hero maker doesn't just have a hero maker or a multiplication mindset and a message. They have an actual multiplication ministry. Um, Jesus multiplied a lot of things. I've already talked about how he multiplied this, this fishing you know, industry for these few uh, four fishermen. Um, we've already seen that. And then you see that Jesus just kind of does things that kind of communicate this multiplication stuff. Uh, on one occasion, there was a crowd of about 5,000 men, uh, not to mention the children or the, the women that were there, but 5,000 men. His disciples, they come along and they're like, Jesus, dude, you've been preaching too long. Some of you are thinking that right now. We got brunch to go to, you know, Jesus, you've been preaching too long. Um, people are hungry and um, there is nothing, there is nothing here to eat. And so why don't we just send them their way? And then Jesus is like, no, you feed them. And they're like, what are we feeding with? Um, we actually only can see five loaves of bread, two fish. And Jesus is like, bring them here. And what does he do? He multiplies it. That's right. He multiplies the five loaves of bread, two fish. And, and then he sends the disciples out, which we'll talk about later on in the series. And they distribute the food and everybody has their fill, the Bible says. Everyone is filled up. You don't leave hungry when you're eating meals with Jesus. Everybody's full. And then in addition to that, what we find is that there were leftovers. There were leftovers, 12 baskets of leftovers from the five loaves of bread and the two fish that fed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. There were actual 12 baskets of food left over. Yes, why? Because... When it comes to God and God's vision and God's purpose and preferred future for our lives, there's always abundance. There's always more. And God wants to multiply what we'll offer him in order to bring into that abundance that God has for our lives. I mean, we could keep going through the stories, the, the ministry of Jesus, where he healed multiple people, not just one once upon a time, but multiple people. I mean, multiple people who were lame walked because of Jesus. Multiple people who were blind could see because of Jesus. Multiple people who could not speak and could not hear had the ability to do so because of Jesus. He multiplied ministry over and over and over again. And then what you see when his time on earth was done is that he actually multiplied ministry through people. This is what he says in John chapter 14, verse 12. We've got these words on the screen. Let's take a look at these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, I mean, he even multiplies his words right there. Look at that. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. What does that mean? We have a ministry, a multiplication ministry, multiplication ministry and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus at the end of his time says, hey, guess what? Look, truly, truly, multiply my words. If you believe in me, you're gonna do greater things than I'm. He's even saying, hey, this is gonna be multiplied beyond what I've done. And here's how that's possible. I'm going to the Father, you'll get the Holy Spirit, and 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 you'll get the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit, you know, like a little Oprah Winfrey episode there. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit. 
And so what has filled my life and anointed me for ministry, multiplication ministry, saying the kingdom of God is bigger than you, the kingdom of God is bigger than this religion, the kingdom of God is bigger than just this patriarchal society, the kingdom of God is bigger and bigger and bigger, is that you get some, you get some, you get some, you get some, you get all that you want for my glory. You can do greater things than I can. This is the ministry that Jesus has. And he communicates that at the end of every one of the gospel stories in Acts chapter one, verse eight, before he ascends back into heaven, he says, the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you and you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then 120 people who pray for 10 days. Could you imagine that? I mean, we can't pray for 10 minutes. 10 days, they pray and they wait And then on the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes upon 120 people. And God multiplies that ministry and fulfills that John 14, 12, where Jesus said, here, you're gonna do greater things than me. And now those 120 people start speaking and the language of God was multiplied in a way that every person who was there could understand. And then the followers of Jesus multiplied from 120 to 3,000 people in that one first worship service. And then that 3,000 was multiplied to 5,000. And then in the book of Acts, it says, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You see, this was never meant to be a ministry of addition. It was meant to be a ministry of multiplication. Jesus's math, God's math is not addition. It's multiplication and he multiplies his ministry and the way that he finished multiplying his ministry and then he wants to finish multiplying the kingdom of God on this earth is by multiplying people who would say, I am ruined, Jesus. This is not about me. This is about you. And I'm willing to not be the hero of of this story of my life, but to be a hero maker, to have that ministry, to have that mindset to have that message too. All it takes is for a group of people, a group of people, you know, I don't know, 12 plus some women, 120, 3,000, a group of people called the Vine Church who would say, God, what is your preferred future for my life that's bigger than me? What's the dream that you have for my life that is bigger than me? What would that look like for you? What would that look like for you as a student in your school? What would that look like for you as a student in school? What would that look like for you in your workplace? What would that look like for you in your neighborhood? What would that look like for you in your home? What would that look like for you in the church? What would that look like? Would you just be willing to ask the question, God, what's your dream for me? And could we ask together as a church, what is your dream for us? Uh, We use fictional stories. Um, I've shared with you some factual stories of the Bible. Uh, A more uh, common or or I guess contemporary story is a guy by the name of Miller Fuller. Um, That would be weird to name your child Miller Fuller. I don't know, there's there's too, too much similarity in first and last name, Miller Fuller. And I don't know if you've 
know who Miller Fuller is. Um, you probably don't know where he's from. He's from America's Georgia. Anybody know where America's Georgia is? And I know my dad knows that because it's about 15 minutes away from his hometown, Plains, Georgia. Um, not many people know where America's Georgia is, but he's from there. He's a home builder. And he asked a hero-making question one day. He asked a hero-making question. I'm gonna ask you this question. What would it look like, or I should back up. Should everyone have a place to live? Should everyone have a home to live in? Uh, what would you say the answer to that question is? Yes. Yeah, that's the right answer, by the way. All right, Jesus and yes, okay? Yes. And because the answer was absolutely yes, he became the largest home builder in the world through a thing called Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity began with the question, God, what is your dream for people? What's your dream for my life? And as a home builder, as a home builder, he became a hero maker, multiplying, multiplying what he is able to do in this world for the glory of God. So, so step away from preachers, step away from the Bible, you know, historical figures. What's the dream that God has for your life? Now, about 18 years ago, um, God started revealing a dream for my life, and that was to start a church. And um, God revealed it in a pretty powerful way one day. Um, I didn't know it was for me, but uh, when I was driving over 85 at this exit, God said there needs to be a church here. Um, and I tried not to pay attention to that dream. Um, and, uh, but it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I started having meetings and I would show up for meetings. And I would keep my journal with me. And, and as I was meeting for meetings, like God would start to press more things on my life for, um, for this church, this idea. In fact, um, Frank Decker and I on the second row, we had a meeting at Red Lobster in Snellville one day. And I had some last minute thoughts about how our small group ministry would look at our church. We call those connect groups. And so I like written everything down in my journal. You know, those moments of inspiration where God gives you something. Um, I was at Barbaritos one time and the Lord gave me a, a picture of what the vision, long-term vision of how our church would continue to reach the next generations would look like. And, and I didn't have my journal at the time and I didn't have a whiteboard. So I just grabbed a napkin and I started writing down something on a napkin. Um, and, and some people have termed this dream napkins. Have you ever had those moments where you're at a coffee shop or at a restaurant? Maybe you're at Ted's and you write down on a piece of paper, you know, the tablecloth that's that piece of paper. You know, you, you write something down in that moment. You just kind of scratch it down because it's a moment where God's given you something and you got to record it. And so I just wrote some things down on some napkins that were God's dream for this church, that we would have a church that's mission was making disciples, making disciples. I mean, from the very beginning, our, our DNA as a church is multiplication. Um, it, you might think that making disciples, making disciples is repetitive. I'd call that multiplication. It's, it's making disciples times two. And, that, and that's because the end result of being a follower of Jesus is that we make more followers of Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, individually, that means that we share what we know. We'll talk about that later in the series. Uh, but that also means that we structure our, our, our um, 
the bulk of our ministry or the acceleration of our discipleship process in a way that multiplies. And because, and, and we actually started out the church with just a few connect groups that we multiplied in those early days. And then um, that became a little bit more formalized in the process, um, multiplying connect groups by multiplying leaders. And so our connect group leaders, their part of their task is to pray and discern who in their connect group has the capability of, of potentially facilitating a small group. And one of our best hero makers in our small group is this guy named Chris Jones. He's completely embarrassed right now that I brought his name up. I can guarantee you that. For about the last eight years now, um, Chris Jones has been leading a connect group. And he was challenged at a conference that we went to in the early years of the church um, to, to take that next step in his faith journey of leading a connect group. And what makes Chris a hero maker is that he's constantly challenging the people in that group. Like, where are you serving? And why aren't you hosting or leading a connect group? And out of his connect groups, there've been a number of connect group leaders that have come out of those connect groups. In fact, this last year, uh, I was in connect group with Chris Jones and two men from our connect group started their own connect group this fall. And now it's their turn to be hero makers to say, hey, I'm not the hero of this group. I'm not the hero of this group. I wanna make heroes. We wanna make heroes and identify those next generation of hero makers. We do that through multiplication of leadership. Um, we we um, have said at the beginning of our church, wrote this down on a napkin too, um, that we wanted to multiply campuses and multiply our church. That's why um, a few years ago, the Lord said, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna start a second campus. We knew that it was gonna happen. Um, you know, 11 years ago when we started the church, we just didn't know when. And the Lord provided. And, and look, when the Lord provides and the Lord prompts us, we're gonna start another one and another one and another one and, and another one and churches as the Lord provides and the Lord prompts. But ultimately what this comes down to, and this has been our mindset too, and we wrote this down, is multiplying God's kingdom. A lot of churches ask the question, how do I grow my church? And that's the wrong question. Number one, it's not mine, it's not yours, it's Jesus's. And this is bigger than the church. The church is a vehicle through which we expand God's kingdom. God's reign and God's rule in this world through personal relationship with him. And so the question that all of us ask of God, God, how do you want to advance your kingdom and multiply it through me? And so on your seat this morning, on your way in, you saw that there was a napkin. Some of you probably thought that was to reserve a seat. As you can see this morning, we didn't need all, that much reservations. Um, and so on your seat, there's this napkin. And this is a napkin that either during our time closing or you can take home. I want you to ask the question, God, what is your dream for me? What's your dream for me as a husband, as a wife, as a student, as an employee? What's your dream for me? What's your dream for me in church? And to ask God that question and then whatever God reveals to you, would you write it down? And maybe you gotta hold on to this for five weeks. But I believe God will start to make it clear if you will ask the question. But one thing I want all of us to do before we leave today, and I know you've got those vine pens. If you don't have it in your hand, you probably have it in your purse or in your back pocket because you take them home with you. On the back of that, on the back of that is to just write times 10. If you want to add another zero, you can do that times 100. Just as a reminder that God's math is not math by addition, it's math through multiplication. And I was really challenged by that as I was reading through Hero Maker book. That if it's God's vision, it's gonna be way bigger than what you and I can come up with. 
So on the back of that, make sure you write down times 10, times 100, maybe times 1,000. And as we'll talk about through the rest of the series, we'll see how God wants to equip us for this impossible mission, this impossible mission that can only be accomplished through Jesus and through hero makers that he seeks to follow him. Stir up passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Stir up passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Breathe on me, holy. Open wide my eyes to see There's so much more Jesus, you are where it all begins Your beauty calls me deeper in Stir up passion my heart, God, let it overflow, let it overflow. Stir up passion in my heart, God, let it overflow, let it overflow. Breathe on.
Yeah.